Welcome to the Divine Misfits Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Press, an ex-evangelical, pansexual, deconstructed religious misfit. We will be having real conversations with incredible humans about their religious hurts and how we have healed and continue to heal from our experiences. I am so thankful to be having these conversations with you. Let's get into it. Today on the podcast, we have my dear friend, Jordan Sanders. She is a Healing Circle facilitator, a writer, a nonprofit worker, and overall just a badass woman. Today, we will be talking about purity culture, racism within the white evangelical church, and so much more. I am so thankful to have Jordan on, and we will be letting her share a little bit more about what it is she does. Yes. So basically, I gather groups of women around different topics that relate to our healing, whether that's stress at work, whether that's transitioning. For me right now, transitioning Mm -hmm. from grad school into full-time work, or whether that has to do with trauma in your past, like things that have to do with church hurt and things like that. And so I gather typically women, like groups of six to eight, and we dish out about these topics with like um, different journaling prompts and sometimes meditation. Mm -hmm. It really is just a space to gather to be like, man, like I'm carrying this burden. I know that you're carrying it too. Yeah. Let's all lay it down for a little bit. that's so beautiful let's talk about your blog real quick because I love your blog I love reading your post (laughs) um it's Mm jordanelise.com and the your post about mental health the sisters ain't all right yeah, that was such a good post. <laughs> so good. Yes, yes. So tell me a little bit about the blog, what you're trying to do with that kind of what you're wanting to create within the blog space as well. Right. My goal is for my businesses to do like a three part type of thing. So first, mm-hmm. it starts with me being vulnerable because I feel like vulnerability has to be the first thing. Yeah. You know, every step. It's like I can't ask people to come in circle with me and be vulnerable if I'm not setting that precedent. Yeah. So my first part of the business is like the vlogs are mostly to get to know me, get to know my struggle. Like everything that I've written about is something that I personally struggled with within the last year. Yeah. It is not like, a, oh, my gosh, this is so cute to write on. Like, no, like this is my, yes. life. This is my real life. The blog. Yes. And then um, the second part will be more gathering. So like I'll be opening those up soon, probably mm-hmm. throughout the summer, you know, late spring, early summer going yeah. into fall. And the third will be like product launches. So different things that you can um, carry with you within your healing journey. I have this mm. idea, knock on wood, about doing like some custom affirmation boards for people. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. doing the thing with that and my good people. I love that. I love that so much, man. So let's talk about uh, your experience with religion Yes, and your healing journey with it. So where would you currently say that you're at in your religious beliefs? Man, I would say that I'm a wanderer and that's so hard for me to say, you know, especially because I grew up in church. I'm black. Mm-hmm. Woman. I grew up in black church, which if mm-hmm. you know, that is a whole different ball game. Y'all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like all the memes you see are true. You yes, know, yeah. <laughs> random songs together. That is completely true. Yeah. And I definitely went through the face of like, you know, like going to church, my religion, my faith was something that I always had a part of me. My parents are, my dad's a deacon, my mom's a deaconess and oh, have okay. been for at least a decade, probably mm-hmm. longer. And so um, went to college, you know, did the whole of like campus ministry thing, trying to find like small groups and find community. Yeah. Especially when you're going to college, you know, like you do it because it's like, oh, like I need some something, especially when you're mm-hmm. a freshman on a new campus. It's like, yes. yeah, like I need yeah. some type of community and like you really just want to find your people, but you're yeah. also like trying to find different parts of your identity too. You're like, man, like, is this 
is this who I am? It's the attributes from this group of people. Does that apply to me too? You know, mm-hmm. and so I went through that for sure. And then I went through and still going through a, a really hard season of like doubt. I had a really bad mm-hmm. um, depression episode from like 2017 going into grad school, 2018. Yeah. Super anxious all the time. Super not being able to connect with people because mm. of my journey with depression. And also it was just hard for me to find community because I had gone to a Christian camp for about four years and had great community there. Mm-hmm. Like love my counselors. And then I had a um, situation happen with a mentor there. I had to completely sever ties mm-hmm. as a freshman. Going oh, wow. college. And it broke, broke my little heart at yeah. the time because I felt like I'd lost my people. And so yeah. I was in that space of like, where do I fit in? Like, mm-hmm. and then my mental health started going and crashing. And then as I exposed myself to different types of people, especially people within LGBTQ plus community mm. it's like having that viewpoint and seeing like man like these are my friends and this is what they stand for and yeah. yet my church doesn't stand for this or yet my church doesn't talk about this yeah. and that doesn't line up for me yeah and also like being a black woman most of the time I'm going to be the only black spec in a majority white space and that's yeah. very hard yeah. religiously you know when you feel like you have to adapt and change like your culture and who you are to fit into a religious space yeah yeah that did not yeah. sit right with me at no. all so I slowly started seeing myself kind of step away from church which was really hard I kind mm-hmm. of just did the slow disappear which was possible at the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just slow disappear and blamed it on grad school um went through a couple of things kind of like sat down with myself and did some trauma work specifically on purity culture and what mm-hmm. that had done to my self-image and how I viewed my body. And now I'm in this place of wondering, but it's different. Like mm-hmm. I'm finally in a place where like I'm healed enough to like ask myself some questions of like, mm-hmm. oh, like, does this resonate with me right now? And like, yeah. oh, this is what I believe. And personally, like I can't, I can't even claim that title of a Christian because everything doesn't resonate with me right now. But like yeah. at the same time, I'm at peace with that. Like, yes. I'd rather yes. be able to be like, if I'm going to claim that title, I want to be able to stand on that. Honestly, to be able to admit, hey, I'm not in this space right now. I have been, and who knows, I might be again one day, right. but right now it's just not where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's a very beautiful thing to be able to say, you don't have it all together and you don't yeah. have it all figured out. Cause not come on, all. who does? Not at all. Yeah. Literally who does, especially when I feel like you know, with your experience and then adding this last year of COVID mm-hmm. being in isolation. And then on top of that, having everything that started with the murder of George Floyd last year, and then COVID on top of that, and the way churches handled so that and the election. I mean, there yes. has been so much that to be able to say, you know, I just don't know. I remember like you shared um, the Instagram page, Do Better Church. And that was yeah. so encouraging to me. I was like, oh my God, Logan is in this space too. Like, <laughs> like those little awakenings where it's like, man, like I'm not by myself. Oh my gosh, no. That's, and that's honestly one of the best feelings too, mm-hmm. right? Like to be able to just know, you know what? I don't know and I don't have to know, but like so many other people also don't yeah, know. Don't know <laughs> it's so good just being like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, especially whenever you have been so involved in the church for so long, and then you start to leave, you kind of start to question yourself and go, well, am I, am right. I the one in the wrong? Am I exactly. the crazy one for believing this or feeling this way? Exactly. And like, we're not. That no. I feel like questioning should be normal. I agree. And, and the, also, the lack of questioning scares me, honestly, because yes. it's like, you shouldn't just be ascribed to something that you can't question. They act like every eyeball question is like a one-way ticket to being isolated and, and collaborating with the devil. Yeah. We can't do that. Girl, 
I swear. I promise you by asking what hell actually looks like, I'm not signing a deal with the devil. (laughs) Like I am literally just questioning the things Mm -hmm. that have been honestly whitewashed as well. I mean, the entire Bible that we read right now has been translated and whitewashed by men, by white men that wanted to hold power over people. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm going to ask these questions and like the devil does not have my soul. You don't got to worry about that. I was just thinking the other day of like, how we equate whiteness to holiness mm. when you look at stuff it's like the more white you are and the more you succumb to quote-unquote white culture how yeah. you define that right now yeah the more better of a christian you are like oh you have more hill song on your playlist you definitely with god you know yes. it's like the the demonization of any other culture yeah is, yeah is, yeah is yeah. really anti-Christian because it's really about us coming together despite yes. our differences with one common goal, with one common savior, with one common story. And yeah. the fact that we can't celebrate that mm-hmm. or the fact that we want to change people into what we define as a Christian or what we define as a good person is very scary to me. I agree. And it's just, it's crazy since we then come in and go, you know what, all of these ways of living and believing and practicing your beliefs are completely wrong. And if you don't succumb to our way, I'm reading a book right now. It's called, um, unsettling the word, uh, biblical experiments and decolonization. Um, And it's literally just talking about how the missionaries will go in and and they, they teach you how to pray with your eyes closed. Mm -hmm. And then you open your eyes and they have the land and you have the Bible. And that's literally what happened in America. It's what happened Mm -hmm. all over the world. world, And it's crazy to think that these traditions that come from Africa, which is the first sign of life, we just go, no, not right. Even though that was like God's first land. Yeah. And then we go, "Mm -mm, I don't like it. I don't Mm -hmm. like it. You're doing it It doesn't work for me. Yeah. So what has your experience been since you've kind of stepped away from the church, obviously with COVID, it gives a little bit more of an excuse. Right. <laughs> what has your experience been with your healing journey and also leaving the church at the same time? Right. Really, really hard, I would say. Yeah. It's definitely not a walk in the park because I feel like we also give the the notion of like, oh, once you step into a religion, you know, step away, you really find all this freedom and everything mm-hmm. is easier because you don't have a God to question you. And I don't, for me, that was not the case. Yeah. For me, yeah. it was a lot of like questioning, like, where's my place? Cause my relationship to God was like my anchor. It was yeah. seriously my everything, you know, little decisions in my music choices and going to church was a Sunday weekly ritual. Yep. And to not have that anymore was really shocking. You know, I was mm-hmm. in shock for a little bit, mostly because I could use the excuse of grad school yeah. And the fact that I had buckets of buckets of homework yeah. to not go to church. But then you also realize it's like, man, like I'm still trying to do life and the compass that I have isn't my compass anymore. Yeah. And that's really scary. Yeah. You know, and even like the friend group, because I was in a position where I had and still do have a mm-hmm. little a really tight knit. My best friend is Christian and mm-hmm. will forever be. And I know it was hard for her for me because we met via camp. We met mm-hmm. via Christian camp. And it's really hard for her to see like, man, like this is something. Jordan's going through and it's not going away you know mm-hmm. we're three yeah. months later and it's not going away we're yeah. a year out and it's not going away <laughs> yeah it's really hard but also like the I think I may not be the best 
Christian now, but I really do think I'm a better human in the mm-hmm. sense that I'm a lot kinder. I'm mm-hmm. a lot, you know, those attributes that I said I had when I was Christian, I see that more now. Yeah. yeah. Myself because I'm way more open to other people's stories. I'm way more open to hearing about mm-hmm. people's backgrounds and what they're dealing with and fighting for other people and, and getting yeah. in the cause, you know, and yeah. not just having a one textbook, oh, you have to look like this in order to be a good person because I yeah. know that's true. So. I mean, otherwise we would all look the same and be born the exact same. Yeah. Yeah. Incredibly born. Yeah. Especially, I mean, you know, at least where I'm in the the town that we went to college in, Mm -hmm. there's hundreds, there's like at least a hundred churches. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's like a town of 60,000 people. And then there's like a hundred churches in this town. At least. Yeah. At least, Mm -hmm. at least. And the majority of them are white the majority of them are southern baptists you know Uh the majority and um it's just this thing where i would hear constantly throughout college uh we're all different parts of the body yeah but then the second that you started acting like a different part of the body Uh they were kind of like "Mm, no i don't like it yeah and it's kind of like and and i agree you know since i've kind of left christianity i see the things that I'm like, man, and, and it's hard to fight for those things whenever you're in that space, Uh when everyone else around you is kind of silencing those things, uh, silencing your views, silencing the things that you want to do. Um, what was your experience as a black woman in the town that we were in? Because it was a lot of the churches were predominantly white. Yeah. Pretty white. Like you're Mm -hmm. always going to be a speckle in a small mm. space. And growing up as a black woman, especially because we are still like, you know, like naming claim, there are still a lot of firsts to be made. I realized that this even last year, there were a lot of firsts yes. graduating from this department at this college. And that's very much the same case that I found with church. It's going to be mm-hmm. a very small community of black people. Mm. And for me, when I was looking for churches, a tell sign for me is if I didn't see black leadership and you would be very surprised about how many white churches we have this paradox of like oh everybody goes to black neighborhoods and this is me this is me calling people out this is me calling mm-hmm. myself out because i definitely did it and i definitely have the pictures and i definitely had to get rid of them yeah of yeah same. Going to majority black neighborhoods on saturday and taking pictures with kids and being so proud that i served and being mm-hmm. like oh my gosh i served these underprivileged people and yet i go to my church that's literally white and doesn't look mm-hmm. like anything that community i was just in mm-hmm. and that that paradox of like, oh, black people. I, I really think we had that mindset of black people are people to serve, but not people that I actually do life with. Yeah. Or I can only do life with a certain amount of people. And the only reason I do life with them is because they look like me. Yeah. In some aspect, or they act like me in some aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, that is extremely well, hard. Do you think that um, being in spaces of whiteness changed the way that you sought out healing whenever you were younger? Oh, for sure. Like mm-hmm. growing up, I went to majority black churches. So I really want to say that college was the first time I okay. made a switch over. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, there are majority black churches in the place that we went to college in. Mm-hmm. For me, it was just a, they didn't have community. So that mm-hmm. small, stuff, you know, like small groups and things yeah. like that to connect during the week. We struggle with that in traditional black churches of like learning how to mm-hmm. take our traditional model and making it really small. So for yeah. me, it wasn't something that I was interested in per se, you know, like that was something I really needed because I needed to make the really big thing smaller for me. Yeah. And so 
even now, it's also was hard for me being a black woman in church and not seeing people poured into as much or mm-hmm. even like living people people doing life because I know for me at the time I really wanted to get married and Mm -hmm. I really wanted to find a black couple in church that was married and Mm -hmm. you know like I could mentor when I tell you I went to three locations and that was the hardest thing to find wow could not find it you know really no I can count maybe two or three Mm -hmm. I can find but it still is like as far as like people our age because you Mm -hmm. know we are at that age where people are getting married at a drop of a dime People my age who are an all black couple who had gotten married and were doing life for each other, no, mm-hmm. did not find that. Yeah. So, so your experience with purity culture. Yes. Wow. What has been your transformation with that? Because I love seeing you embracing your beauty, your body, your sexuality. I think that that is something that does come with the healing of oh, purity yeah. culture is this idea of like, I have to embrace this or else I'm just going to be stuck in this mindset that I've been in for the last however long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me about that. Okay. So um, I went to a Christian camp who had a leadership program within the camp. We would have different um, purity talks at night and we would read different books. And now to give some context at the time, I had really low self-esteem as a kid. Mm-hmm. So I was really also like bullying and things like that. I was really for looking for my niche. Yeah. So I went to camp and when it was really accepting this leadership program did well. I felt myself cling to a lot of the teachings. And also I think because of my limited understanding of religion, like mm-hmm. the quote that stood out for me is like being perfect, like Jesus, like being perfect because I am perfect and I feel like yeah. that's a huge trigger for people who are perfectionists yeah because we don't we don't really understand that when you say be perfect we're gonna try our hardest to be perfect yes so like, you're like give I me mean, list to check off <laughs> yes and then yeah culture is crazy because it provides that list to check off mm-hmm. you know it provides that oh don't have sex don't think about sex don't touch your body at all. Don't even yep. look at your body when you get out the shower. Yep. Don't have no, don't have no left thoughts, <laughs> you know. And it's like, oh, okay. And I felt that was such a huge like, um, like it became like a pride thing for me because mm-hmm. like I felt like I was a better Christian because I was checking off this list and yeah. hadn't kissed a guy at the time and wouldn't even think about sex. We mm-hmm. literally got, which absolutely disgusts the feminist in me now. Mm-hmm. We got these cards, these ATM cards that stand for abstinence um, till marriage. Yes. And I can put my hands on it somewhere. It's somewhere in this house. Like, oh my I, gosh. I literally keep it to remind myself yeah. who I am, that this is not what we want to go to. This yes. is not what I'm teaching my niece or my kids. Yes. But yeah, I went through that phase and especially with this like, being a teenager and being like thrown into purity culture was really hard because the world is saying the exact opposite of like mm-hmm. oh this is your time to explore your body have fun and like it was really hard for me to date and yeah. even like, close to guys because everything at our camp was extremely separated by um by sex mm-hmm. so it was girls boys That's yeah it. Yeah, we here. We don't intermingle with each other. Yeah, talking you know, to a guy for too long. They're like, "Oh, you trying to talk to him? Oh, you want that to be your boyfriend?" Mm-hmm. I was like, "I don't want anybody assuming." No front hugs. Him. You have to right. side no hug them. Hug. You better side. And that's hug. like if you're if you're willing to risk <laughs> right. someone seeing you, give a side right. hug to a boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, and it better be real quick. Yes, real quick yes. You know. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want anyone getting any ideas. Any you don't ideas. want him getting any ideas. Right. You don't want to get any ideas. Yeah, yes. yeah. Also, it really confused my 
my idea of pursuit because going into mm. college, I would like people and not know how to tell a guy that, hey, I'm interested in you. I don't know. Yeah. Also, beauty culture, I feel like we put a lot of pressure on guys. Like, yes. I'm, I'm part of the shoot your shot culture at this point. Like, if you're interested yes, in somebody to shoot your shot, all I can do is say no and you go on Ex- with your life. Yes. But, we're, but yes. we weren't taught that at all. We were taught like, oh, if you if you like a guy, eventually he'll notice and he catches on. And we all know if you've interacted with a man, if you're a man listening to this podcast, you know, that's mm-hmm. not the case. This mm-hmm. is not the case at all. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just be upfront about your intentions. And I found myself really struggling to connect with my body and my mm-hmm. sexuality and not figure out that my body was just for the sexual pleasure of someone else was a yeah. really caveat for me. Yeah. And I'm doing like, um, like a, three or four month therapy process to learn like hey my body is mine you know like this is yeah. the space that I'm connecting in I don't have to getting married is not a part of my worth because I feel like we have that narrative in the church too it's like oh yep. you're nothing like singleness is a disease and yeah. you're, you're worth something now but you're really worth something once you get married you know yes. the value goes up by 10 and that yes. was really hard for me because as I got older, as you in college and you see everybody getting that ring and you're not, and you don't even know if your boo thing is coming around the corner, mm-hmm. you start questioning your worth and your value. And just yeah. knowing that like now I'm in a space where like I'm more comfortable with my body. Like yeah. I wore this, um, what did I wear? I wore this shirt. If y'all creep my Instagram, you'll see it. It's like an off the shoulder. I have a um, butterfly mm-hmm. tattoo on my shoulder. It's off the shoulder and it's like a crop top and stuff like that. And I I wore it because I'm really trying to get used to showing my skin because that's something mm-hmm. I was told no my whole life. Mm-hmm. So like now I show more skin on my shoulder. Like y'all, I wasn't allowed to show my shoulders at some point. <laughs> well, especially whenever you're in school. Yes. And, and especially in the South. I went to yes. school in California and uh-huh. in Arkansas. And in California, we could wear tank tops. We could oh, wear spaghetti straps. Way. No, they're like your shoulders will cause someone yes. to stumble. Mm-hmm. In in public school, yes. In public school, in public school. What? In public school. Yeah. So yes. we're literally taught from childhood, mm-hmm. not even in religious spaces, especially in the South. I know this is everywhere, right. but especially in the South, oh, you're taught everywhere. And then you go to church, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, not only is it going to cause someone to sin, but you are now responsible for." any thought that ever might pop into a male's head yep. just from your shoulders, from your shoulders. let alone anything else. My mm-hmm. God forbid you show your stomach right. <laughs> or, or some your cleavage legs, or know? some legs. Yes. All my black people grew up in black church, getting the sheet thrown over your head. <laughs> I've definitely gotten the sheet thrown really? <laughs> But yeah. And also like being a black woman, mm-hmm. we are already over-sexualized. Mm-hmm. So we're definitely like even young girls, like in it, the, the longer we live, like it's just getting worse and worse because now we have like eight-year-old girls who are being over-sexualized and imagine yeah. putting that on top of purity culture. Mm-hmm. Like, man, you are already a black woman who was sexualized and you're already seen as a sexual being. Yeah. Now you have to work 10 times as hard mm. because now you're a super stumbling block. To mm. in this yeah. Place, yeah. So. How do you feel like, because I know there's been a lot of conversation about, uh, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion's performance. Oh, oh yeah. Um, what are what are your thoughts on that in yeah. in terms of uh, purity culture? Because because like you said, black women are already so overly sexualized. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that a lot of Christians kind of use that and go, "Well, this is why we don't need songs like this." Right. 
So I'm just curious what your take is on that. Cause yes. I personally, I disagree with that. Disagree. Um, First of all, you choose what you listen to. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, you choose what you listen to. You choose what you watch. Yep. Cause that was my same argument with the little Nas video. Y'all didn't have to click watch on YouTube. You know, if you disagree, yeah. okay. Don't watch don't, it. Don't watch it. Don't listen. Yeah. Yeah. But also to me, you can't be mad when people are playing into the stereotypes that you've already placed on them. Mm. So somebody gave an example of like how, which is very true, male rappers constantly talk about sex. Like I mm-hmm. remember in the car, um, being like a young, like seven, eight, a lot of our classics yes. sexualize women. Yes. Like, I can't be mad. <laughs> like I can't be mad when I hear a woman talking about it because really we're just mad that she brought it up. Yes. Yeah. It's it's such a beautiful thing I think. I mean, to claim that as your own. Mm-hmm. To take that back. I am going to do this because I am taking this back. Mm-hmm. My sexuality is my own. Right. Then it. men can't come in right. and go, "Oh, well no, you're going to do this for me and this is what I want to see." It's like, mm-hmm. "No, I own my body. I own my pussy. Yeah. I own this. If you don't yeah. like it, go somewhere else right and I really think that that's what's angering people is women in their own unique way whether that looks different for everybody are taking back that Mm -hmm. narrative and it scares people yeah I think especially Christians when yes not even Christians just religious people in Mm -hmm. general that kind of harp on purity culture to suppress women yeah Oh, for sure. Because I saw a post and man, I wish I could quote this person. So I'm going to butcher this quote. Mm-hmm. But they talk about um, like the world says sells sex with um, churches do too. And it's purity culture. And I find that to be so very, yeah. very true. Wow. That's just the thing that we sell to people. Like we're selling yeah. our own version of the sexual experience. Yeah. Still really just as extreme mm-hmm. as somebody doing you telling someone to wear a chastity belt and do the purity ring thing and not to look at a guy of the opposite sex or even of the same sex when you're trying to explore your sexuality mm-hmm. and you're trying to ask those questions and that's that's the thing too let kids ask their questions or even yeah. let adults ask those questions about their sexuality because yeah. that was a big stumbling block for me it's like I can't even question mm. you know like I'm told like this is what you have to like to get mm-hmm. into everything and then you're in this space of like man like you never question that like what if I don't yeah this is not how I identify as yeah yeah, man taking back that narrative and realizing that like like church is just as guilty I feel like purity Mm -hmm. culture is just as extreme as what oh absolutely but absolutely I mean as a woman hearing so many men talking about pornography and Mm -hmm. masturbation from the stage and never hearing women talking about it from the stage, even though women also struggle with these things, not struggle. Women also deal with these things Mm -hmm. and do these things and watch pornography. And because of purity culture are just made to believe that if a man does it, you can just pray and you're forgiven. And like, and if you do it again, you know, just regroup and get Mm -hmm. through it again later. And with women, it's just kind of assumed that we have no sexual drive that we don't want to have sex unless it's to please men. Yes. And that we wake up all of a sudden on our wedding nights and like, we suddenly become so aware of our body. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Which is just so wild Mm -hmm. because God made each of us regardless of, I think, what you believe in every single person is made with some sort of sexual drive and if you don't have a sexual drive then that's okay and that's Mm -hmm. that's completely 
your, your deal, you know, there's no judgment there, but we can't act like women are just these silent objects until the night of the wedding. We can't because then that's what happens when (laughs) men seem to get this idea in their head that we are there to please them. Uh Uh So when songs like wet ass pussy come out, they're like, Ooh, I'm uncomfortable because this is something for me. And now you're talking about it. Yep. What? It's like, yeah, because that's my pussy. (laughs) Yeah. It just, it's mind boggling to me, the expectations that men have of women. And like you said, especially black women. Yes. And it's crazy. I read, speaking of the word pussy, it's this Mm -hmm. really good book called Pussy Prayers, which is about taking back the narrative of their body. And they have like different rituals and stuff. I think it's a good book. I think it's something to pick up and read in general. Yeah, It also talks about like the historical context of black women having to be separate from their bodies, you know, even going back to slavery and like Mm -hmm. being basically bred and having to be disconnected from your kids because you're being a breeding machine and like your kids can be taken away as a notice. Like, Yeah. I think that whenever we actually start looking at the history with everything, Mm -hmm. we see that almost every single thing was used to oppress and manipulate, especially black women Mm -hmm. by white Christians or by white religious leaders in any religion, but especially in the U S I mean, there's so many white men, our founding fathers that are looked at and it's like, oh, they did all these great things. And it's like, right. yeah, they also raped their slaves uh-huh. and made them have their babies. Yep. Right. Yeah. I only acknowledge the founding fathers in Hamilton. And I'm at <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't, I just, we're not going to, we talk about it for historical context. Yeah. I'm not going to praise anybody. No. It is the v- they don't need to be. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. The only, the only person that I will praise is Daveed Diggs is Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> Come on. Because like real Thomas Jefferson, no. No. Daveed Diggs, Thomas Jefferson. Yes. yes. <laughs> Always. Every day. Always. Yes. Always. So what's your experience been like? kind of coming into yourself and sharing this with the world because it has been beautiful to see on this end thank you I think um I'm really just my age is kind of what sets me apart I'm 25 Mm -hmm. and I would say that um fun fact did you know the year 1995 is apparently between millennial and gen z so they don't know what we are you're a little (laughs) zillennial yes seeing this juxtaposition of like I remember growing up and like having to search for things that look like me and seeing Mm -hmm. that change where it's like, man, like black beauty, I love, it's such a huge spectrum right now. Mm -hmm. And I think like that is so beautiful to see if like, man, like beautiful and don't get me wrong, we still have our issues, Mm -hmm. but like beautiful has such a bigger range than it did 15 years ago. Yes. That's something like, as I'm, as I'm helping raise my niece, who is a little black girl, like that's something I'm very proud that she gets to see, like, you know, Mm -hmm. like she doesn't have to struggle as much to find someone that looks like her that yeah. is doing something that she wants to do yeah or if she is the first to do that thing there are so many people supporting her so that she can be able to do that thing yeah and I think that's a really beautiful thing to see but also like in this healing space for me coming into my black identity was actually something that was hard because I feel like blackness is something someone I tell my friends it's like it's definitely it changes. So like mm-hmm. me being a black woman in college is definitely definitely different from me being a black woman in, in yeah. grad school and being a black woman like now in the worst force working yeah. for a black woman entrepreneur. Yeah. It's definitely changing and growing. And so like I went to Uganda 
about two years ago and that's mm -hmm. really like i didn't have my phone y'all spotify don't work in uganda <laughs> spotify does not work in uganda i was man struggling. <laughs> i was listening to youtube music yeah. and, and i really you know i didn't have the internet service was kind of on and off so i really yeah. had to, like lean into reading more books and really asking myself the really hard questions of like man like who am i right mm -hmm. now in this space and especially being in a space where my blackness was different because mm. I feel like all black people should have the opportunity to experience blackness outside of America because mm. you realize like how much our history plays into like our daily behaviors like I had to explain white supremacy to my Ugandan co-workers because they were like man like we've never been we're always the majority you know like they yeah. have like, yeah like yeah globalism, you know and different like geography things that are going on but they're never white people are held in esteem yeah but, you know it's not like oh my gosh all these white people are in office they're like oh my gosh i'm the one person you know like that mm -hmm. was a really hard thing to explain yeah wow and a really big question that i had to ask myself is like man what does being a woman for me looks like what do i identify with right now mm -hmm. and what does blackness mean to me and um one of my favorite author authors I believe it's morgan jerkins she talks about blackness not being a monolith about blackness mm -hmm. being like a bunch of different hues and shades and that's something that like i'm really sitting with like yeah. my black doesn't have to look like somebody else's black and mm, i'm completely that's gorgeous yeah that, you know? yeah so i think that's a really beautiful perspective that i i hope is encouraging to listeners as well because there's no one way to embrace who you are no not at all and also like that's a good thing to think about with allyship too because mm -hmm. a lot of things you know with the all the events that happened last summer mm -hmm. are of course traumatic as a black person like no one um let's not make black trauma entertainment you know mm -hmm. i felt yeah. black trauma become entertainment just because replaying the videos and stuff i have not yeah. watched george floyd's death and i will not i will never watch george yeah. floyd's death because yeah. that's too much for me yeah but also something that really discouraged me not only within the Christian space, especially within the Christian space, but also other friends, mm -hmm. is when people posted pictures of their black friends and like, oh, like I stand with you guys. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. One, I'm glad y'all got cute pictures with each other. <laughs> you know, do your thing. But yeah. also to me, real allyship is being able to stand with all people in that category. So we stand up for black trans people. We are mm -hmm. standing up for people who you would deem as ghetto. We are standing up yeah. for people who are highly educated. We are standing up for people who are in poverty. We mm -hmm. are standing up for people who, who make six figures mm -hmm. and fund all the causes in the world. We, yeah. all of those people, not yeah. just the black that you feel comfortable with, because then we mm -hmm. get into the thing of like, oh, George Floyd shouldn't have died, but Breonna Taylor should because of what X, Y, and Z or whatever. Yeah. Or yeah. like different black deaths deserve a different level of attention. And that's not, mm -hmm. that's not true allyship. Absolutely. Me. Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, I don't, I don't see how it could be. I mean, to say like, to be an ally is not to pick and choose your battles. Mm -hmm. You're either an ally and you're working and you're being anti-racist and not just being anti-racist, but actually putting in the work and the effort right. or you're not. Yeah. There's really no in between. I mean, yeah. I'm just curious how you feel about all of the black squares that were on Instagram last oh summer. Oh my gosh. First of all, <laughs> y'all, first of all, y'all, I, uh, my undergrad is in communications and mm. I dabbled a little bit in PR. Yeah. So from a PR perspective, y'all are literally ruining all the hashtags that activists use yep. because for weeks we couldn't find like actual information from yeah. activists about what was going on or statistics or how things were moving. Yeah because all we had was black squares everywhere. And also for me, um, 
I, I stopped shopping at a lot of businesses mm-hmm. to be a black yeah, square. Same. Because for me, it's like, I don't want to see you do a black square and then nothing was followed up after that. One yeah. of my favorite coffee shops in Little Rock, I no longer shop at. No. And I love, and I, love, I like me and the barista on a first name basis. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, I can't do, I can't stand behind this because yeah. I don't want that fake allyship. And I know that everybody like, learning how to be an ally is truly a journey y'all like mm-hmm. just like learning how to identify your blackness this is something i'm committed to for the rest of my life exactly exactly like that. and yeah everybody's at different points because we also don't need to be pressuring people to be like oh i know this that and the other so yeah. get up here with me yeah everybody's gonna come at their own space and like mm-hmm. your job is that if you know something more then help the people who don't you know mm-hmm. like those type of like we're building each other up yeah we're all doing our internal work at our internal pace as life goes on and that's mm-hmm. okay but yeah, I um, I am one to just sit on social media and watch. I don't like getting into it with people online. That's not my thing. I think I literally made a post one time. It's like, look, yeah. y'all, this, I'm going to say what I have to say. Yeah. If you got to argue with me, I'm going to delete your comment. I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like the majority of the block squares that I've, that I saw mm-hmm. were from the religious people who didn't say anything afterwards Mm -hmm. my allyship is something that I will continue to learn and be corrected on until the day that I die because if it's not like the culture is going to change things are going to change Mm -hmm. and if I'm not able to accept people's criticisms or or them correcting me Mm -hmm. then I I can't actually be an ally right so I hope to until the day I die be able to accept that and be corrected on it so that I can continue to help and be a voice wherever I can and lift people of color's voices up right and it's just wild to me whenever I see all of these black squares and then photos of books that they're learning from and then nothing yep that was it nothing yes that was it. And I don't know if it was nothing because I'm honestly slick mad at some people because I mm-hmm. was trying to get into this is so petty, but I'm gonna go ahead and follow up. <laughs> I was really trying to get into James Baldwin around the time all the protests happened, and yeah. y'all done bought up all the James Baldwin books <laughs> and hadn't done nothing with them. So now yeah. like, I'm personally, it's becoming very personal to me yeah. that mm-hmm. like nothing's been done with this information. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that like somewhat showing grace because we are also in a pandemic and I understand yeah. that, that affects that has affected me mental health wise absolutely how I work how we live but also like to me it just shows that you didn't actually put yourself in spaces to be corrected like you did yeah. just what was comfortable just yeah. what was popular enough and you think that you've gotten to this benchmark and that's it yeah and it's really not yeah I think too I've the majority of the books that I've seen white women especially mm-hmm. reading are books about racism written by, by white, white women. By white people. Yeah. yeah. And it's just kind of like, as Christians, as believers, you know, we say that we want to be in these spaces with everyone, with diversity. And then you're only reading about experiences from, from white people. White yeah. Yeah. Or, which I think is just as bad, you're reading watered down Black perspectives. Mm which is a mm. big no from I forgot what the name of this book was but someone recommended it to me and it was written by a black woman from a mm-hmm. Christian perspective mm-hmm. and I read it and I was like this did not go hard enough for me like <laughs> yeah like not that I want because you know there are some you have to gauge your level about what mm-hmm. you're ready to receive and who speaks to you in that moment you know like choosing a professor in college you yeah. gotta get where you fit in and get yeah yeah information from yeah but also that doesn't mean that you take down watered information mm-hmm. because like 
you need to be honest with people about the black experience. You know, you need mm-hmm. to be honest and start painting pictures and start building some type of empathy so that people can step in your shoes and get it. Mm-hmm. And when we're just giving like these, oh, like really soft scenarios, like, oh, I just didn't want somebody touching my hair. We all know black women don't like random people touching their hair. Okay, yeah. let's dive deeper into that. Why yeah. don't we like y'all touching our hair? Like what goes into that? What, what yeah. can we experience? How can I, give me some examples of how I can better handle things mm-hmm. and better understand instead of just going surface level. Mm-hmm. So what would be your hope going forward for, I want to speak mostly towards white women. Mm-hmm in religious settings, because I think that's where I've seen the biggest disconnect, but especially for white women, what would be something that you would encourage them to do to get into these spaces or just that you would like to see in religious context, like happen and change personally? A lot of things. The first thing that came to mind was truly being able to take a step back and listen, because Mm -hmm. I feel like what happens, especially in a lot of religious spaces, is that either we choose someone's narrative that gets pushed forward and we push it up one time and then that's it, mm-hmm. or we speak on behalf of that person. And to me, that's probably the most disabling thing that you could do to mm-hmm. a black woman is to not either to not acknowledge her experience or to belittle it by speaking your interpretation of her experience. Yeah, so that's yeah. extremely um, disheartening to me. Mm-hmm. Consistency. Yeah. I was just consistency, please. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like knowing yeah. that this journey is not just a one-time thing. It's not a one workshop. It's not a one sermon. Mm-hmm. It's not a, I took this one class on DEI and now I'm the bomb.com and nobody mm-hmm. can tell me anything. It, it's very much being consistent. Like I, as a black woman, have to constantly up my game on information that I'm receiving. Yeah. And I don't pass just because I'm black because yeah. well, I know you can be black and still carry anti-black white supremacist values. And that is another yeah. podcast for another day. Yes, it is. One day. Three hours long. One day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I think those things, like definitely consistency mm-hmm. for sure. And then mm-hmm. humility. I really want to see a change in heart posture mm. more so of like, Hey, I'm doing this work. Don't let your ego get away of your healing or somebody else's healing. Yeah. You know? I really think that's, what's blocking you. It's like, you feel like, Oh, if somebody tells me that I'm wrong, then it's over, then it's game over. And it doesn't yeah. happen. You can really yeah. use this experience to grow and change and yeah. to better yourself and better interact with people. Yeah. I, I think that's the biggest disconnect that I've seen from uh, religious white people is just this abil- lack of ability to just simply acknowledge that right. it is not my damn place. Right. And also just like not relying on your black friends or people that you know in the same spaces as you for mm-hmm. all the information on racism. Yeah. Because it just like you are experiencing this change, we are also experiencing this change and really mm-hmm. this trauma collectively as black people. Yeah. Like literally, I protested during mm-hmm. the time of everything that was happening and that was so heavy for me mm-hmm. like I would literally just come home and like cry because of all mm-hmm. the way you know like I'm thinking yeah. about yeah men in my life that I know I'm thinking of like me and like I could be sleeping and literally yeah. sleeping to my apartment and shoot me wow. or like man like my nephew is two years old he mm-hmm. won't be cute in yeah. about 13 years you know yeah. like this could very much apply to her so this could apply to my niece this could apply to mm-hmm. my other loved ones and so you can't like, oh my gosh, as soon as uh, something happens, turn to your black friend and be like, oh my gosh, explain this to me. 
because mm. the, one of the most exhausting things for me personally, and this may not resonate with everyone, was mm. all the texts I got of people personally apologizing for racism to me personally. First yeah. of all, I'm not going to answer that. Yeah. <laughs> I was busy. I was un- Actually, I was unemployed at the time. So I wasn't yeah. yeah. <laughs> You had all the time. Right. I had all the time. Yeah. And second of all, like, I haven't gotten as many texts from those same people. And there have been a lot of people that have died since George Floyd. Mm-hmm. There's yep. a lot. There's been a lot that's happened in the news since George Floyd. Yep. And if you're really going to have that energy of like, oh, my gosh, let me reach out to all my Black friends all the mm-hmm. time you'd be reaching out to me every week mm-hmm. more than that at least yeah. Weekly. yeah yeah I mean especially right now with the trial happening yeah it's the black squares don't mean anything if you don't no, show up later I listened to a a live with Rachel Ricketts and yeah. Austin- her book is the bomb I have it on my I just started right it she is she's incredible she is. the live that she did with uh, Austin Channing Brown was just okay, yeah beautiful okay and they were discussing um, a white woman's book that's coming out called Nice Racism. Oh, wow. And they were, but they were talking about how they wrote their books so that white people could read them and not have to text their friends to get mm-hmm. all this information. Mm-hmm. Like there, there are plenty of resources out there that I think that white people don't Google. <laughs> yes, I was going to say Literally that. Really just I Google it? Want, I didn't want it to sound mean because mind Never. you, last summer, I, I did not care. I was like, look here, y'all. Mm-hmm. Don't text me. Mm-hmm. I'm going through a lot. That was also when I was going through my personal healing process mm-hmm. with my culture and everything. I'm dealing with the pandemic just like you. Yeah. This beautiful resource that we all have on our phones called the Google. Amen. And you can just type in, <laughs> you know, the Google will tell you. It'll, yeah. it'll send you recommendations. Little mm-hmm. articles will pop up, you know. Mm-hmm. Amazon has two-day shipping. If There's podcasts time, out there. You know. There's Instagram resources. Yes, I mean, all of that. Literally good stuff. everything. Yeah. yeah. It's like we can't rely on Black people to always, especially just Black people who we do life with, who haven't committed mm-hmm. to being the activists and people, because that is a hard job. Yeah. Shout out to all my activists, all my organizers. That is a very yes. hard job. And it's definitely a calling. Yeah. Like, because I, I could not. Yeah. As much as I would, I could not. Like, yeah. they are very blessed to me in that position. It takes and a lot know, of energy. It really does. And yeah. a, a lot of commitment and a lot mm-hmm. of just really being in tune with yourself because it's also possible to get lost in the sauce of like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, there are so many things that we need to change in the world. Mm-hmm. How do I choose one? Yeah. So I'm very thankful that you are willing to have this conversation with me <laughs> because I, I mean, it. I. I never want to be ignorant to my own privilege. And I also want to help other white people realize that it's not a bad thing to acknowledge it. It's a bad thing when you act on it. Yes. And I am just very thankful to have you share this space with me because it is something that I want to continue to be educated on. And I also want to be able to help other white people learn about. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you're even having this conversation is just, it's, it's very gracious and I'm very thankful for no, it. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. I light on my calendar today. So, um, so I do want to talk about, so you had surgery mm-hmm. that affected your fertility yes. and I know that you've also, I mean, my gosh, this entire year you have been through so much. And it's so yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We're only four months in. Four months in. And I'm just so curious how, how your view of God has helped you with this or has it changed the way that you have viewed your healing journey? 
Yeah, I think, man, because mind you, just to give a little timeline, mm-hmm. I originally found out about, um, I was diagnosed with, for the viewers that don't know, mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with um, ovarian cysts and fibroids. And mm-hmm. one of my fibroids was actually about 10 centimeters, like a, so the size of, actually, by the time I got in surgery, it was about 13 centimeters. So oh, about wow. the size of like, maybe a peach, you know, maybe yeah. an apple or so. And so I found about the, all about this in the context of post-George Floyd. And I actually just came from my first protest and had a doctor's appointment that next week. Oh. Found out and had to, the only reason I knew, talking about Black women in health, which is a whole, another podcast mm-hmm. once again, mm-hmm. is because I had to ask for an ultrasound because I knew that it was something that ran in my family. And this was something that my doctor had never checked for that was in my family history. And yeah. so... um Going through that at that time period was definitely one of the hardest things in my life because something that encouraged me even through the midst of all this was like, oh, this is something I can tell my kids about, you know, or like, Mm -hmm. oh, like I'm marching and I'm taking these pictures so that I can hopefully share this story with my children, you Mm -hmm. know, and for that hope to be taken away from me at a time where so much hope was lost was so, was so devastating. I went through a, a depression for a long time. I went through a first surgery that was unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. Doctor mm-hmm. didn't take out the cyst, even though he was assigned to. Yes, girl. Did not take out the cyst, even what? though he was told to. Wow. And then my grandmother passed away two weeks ago, two weeks wow. after. And then yeah. my uncle passed away two two weeks mm-hmm. after that. And just like this very unstable of like, man, like, what did I do to upset God? You know, mm-hmm. of like, man, my dreams don't matter to God. Because I remember this is probably one of my earliest prayers. Wow. And like, just to be a mom. And yeah. finally found the right doctor got the surgery and um this was back in january mm-hmm. something in my spirit call it faith call it intuition knew that i was losing the ovary before i even laid on that table mm. so i went through a lot of grief wow. of being like like this is happening like yeah my doctor is saying he's saving it but i feel like in my spirit like this like i know that this is happening and i need mm-hmm. to process this now mm-hmm. and lo and behold i woke up with one less ovary than i went in for and yeah. so that was just like so like my heart breaks for me looking yeah, back on that yeah. time. my heart seriously breaks for me just because of like that's such a big dream like that's something that I really did base my hope off of yeah but also realizing my own strength and being like man like this is probably one of the toughest things in my life and mm-hmm. I still made it out with a lot of grace you know mm-hmm. or even being to like treasure my body a lot more about how much I literally carried in yeah. my body for so Girl, long yes <laughs> for literally yeah. for so long and I was still yeah. able to function and thrive and and do things you know mm-hmm. and be able to connect with myself and I'm big on affirmations and stuff mm-hmm. future kids names on like a post-it on my affirmation board and I, I say to that. myself like I'm I'm x y and z's mom or like yeah. I love my body just the way it is or like mm-hmm. I'm strong for everything that I've carried and everything that I go through you know and I so those, yes that was a really hard thing for me but it was also more like a connecting spiritually back in myself and mm-hmm. especially realizing purpose because I feel like going back to the purity culture thing mm-hmm. we also mm-hmm. weigh motherhood a lot within oh the my Christian god yeah and I felt like <laughs> man like, am I less of a woman because I may not be able to carry a kid? And that mm. was a huge question that I had yeah. to say. Stuff like, do I feel like this has affected my womanhood? Yeah. And I say no. Like, I'm still very healthy to be able to carry kids. Knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Ain't no time soon. And like, I one less my feminine power. Like, yeah. Like, this did not take my feminine power at yeah. all. If anything, it activated it because I have mm. to be more in tune and more conscious of my body and what I put into it. Mm. That is a beautiful story of 
I mean, first off, just having that intuition, knowing that is a very divine thing to know and to be able to at least acknowledge before you go under, Mm -hmm. but especially to come out on the other side. And, and like you said, like have it confirmed. Yeah. And now to be able to say, I am still fully feminine. I am still fully going to be a mother. It's very much a testament to the power that you have within you as a divine feminine. Yeah. And I feel like the thing about affirmations, because I saw this post that I actually am going to make a post about, about toxic positivity. Mm -hmm. I want to be really careful that we don't make affirmations about toxic positivity and not acknowledging our pain in that moment. Because yeah, like, I say things like I love my body, but I also put reminders on my board to remind myself to feel how I feel. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's the difference between affirmation and toxic positivity is yeah. going and it's recognizing where I am right now and being yeah. like, man, this sucks. I hope for better or this sucks, but I still yeah. have power instead of being like, oh my gosh, everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Because when I was behind going to surgery, Girl, it's crazy. I woke up fighting them people after anesthesia. And if you know me personally, <laughs> I am not one to go no, you were not. With, nurses, with nurses and things like they were they were so ready to get rid of me. Like they literally <laughs> pushed me out the wheelchair after <laughs> like they were done with me. But knowing that like despite all the negative, like I still have this power and I still need to connect with that. Or mm-hmm. man, I'm really weak right now and that's okay for me to be yeah. Yeah. is something. That, that is huge for a person on your healing journey because I yeah. feel like especially like social media we're telling like oh my gosh everybody think positive we don't yeah. need to manifest and not acknowledging the pain where we at right now you I know? agree that's my yeah. only caveat it's yeah. like man or manifesting and we don't acknowledge the steps that it takes yep for me at least and I, I don't know if it's similar for you mm-hmm. growing up in a religious not even growing up being in a religious space for so long and you hear this idea of healed yeah and you hear this idea of as soon as you give it to God, you're good. Right. And that is not and that's the case. just not true. That is not yeah. the case at all. No, it is not. Is I not. wish it were. Uh-huh. I, I wish it I were. I heard somebody call it like either I I might have coined this term of like microwave healing. Because like Ooh. we we are such an instant generation and I feel like we yeah. do. If I want chilies fries right now, I can order that thing and door this and yeah. send me by. It's right there. Minutes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like we we just expect things like even like big altar calls and you feel like man this pastor prayed for me and I got hands laid on me yeah and when I wake up tomorrow it's just gonna be gone and that's not the case mm-hmm. I remember whenever I would tell people I'm going through a depressive episode right now and their response often was oh well once you pray through it you'll get right. through this it's fine and I'm like look I am not denying the fact that there is going to be a brighter side to this. Mm-hmm but this is a mental illness that yeah. I have to deal with for the rest of my life. And right. until I'm able to acknowledge what I'm feeling, there is no other side. There's just smushing it down until it blows up one day. Yes. yes. And I feel like definitely in church, we, we lack giving people coping skills, which is mm. why I'm a big proponent for therapy. Yeah. Oh, definitely a yes. game changer, you know, definitely a yes. game changer for me. Your higher power or the universe gave people gifts and things so that you could heal. And yeah. be in community with people. And I feel like that's mostly like a slap in the face if you don't use the resources that are mm-hmm. around you mm-hmm. to better heal and connect with yourself and connect with your higher power and community. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've gotten closer to my idea of God, yes. my idea of a divine creator since I actually started feeling my shit. Mm-hmm. Since I actually started feeling the, the emotions that would come up. And this last year, I had this realization of, feel your fucking anger. Yes. Feel it. Yes. Feel it. 
acknowledge that this is what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Then you're able to actually process it. And then you're not going to get mad at someone randomly. I mean, you still might. Hello. Right. But like, Mm -hmm. you know, I I feel like I'm, I'm a less angry person now Mm -hmm. because I've actually let myself acknowledge my anger. Right. Because you don't suppress it and you don't feel pressure to suppress it either. Yeah. Like we have such this happy-go-lucky. I don't know when we started confusing Christians with clowns with the smiley face on them. I don't know when that shift happened of like, oh my gosh, I love Jesus all the time and don't mm-hmm. let the bad happen to me. And even mm-hmm. if it does happen to me, it maybe happens for like an hour or so. And then I go back and I pray and worship again. That is not true Mm-mm. at all. No, no. At all. It's not and realistic. Like, I, yeah, no, not at all. No. I'm the same way. Like, I've been more connected to my emotions and especially just even within my body. Like I can feel Mm -hmm. where my tension sits and what that means to me. So what is, what is one piece of advice that you would give to someone that is starting their healing journey? Mm -hmm. Valuing your own voice. Mm. I think it's really hard and including like your inner voice who you may suppress because you don't feel like it's okay to be angry or to be Mm -hmm. sad like really learning how to value that and not suppress it and just really listening. Some people call your inner child or um, like shadow work or things like that, but really being able to acknowledge like, Hey, this is me on the inside. This is where I'm at. Mm. And that is okay. You know, committed to yourself and be like, man, like we're going to walk this step by step. Yeah. It's something I would advise. I know it would save me a lot of heartache if I would have learned to value myself as much as I valued other people. Mm. Yes. What I've loved about this journey is that it's definitely been self-convicting. Like right Mm -hmm. now I am in a, have not announced this to Instagram. I probably will by the time this comes out. (laughs) Like I've been taking some time to really reflect for myself and my business because I was Mm -hmm. realizing that I was pouring so much into my brand. I wasn't pouring into who Jordan is Mm -hmm. and what Jordan needs right now and what all is going on in my life. Not that you have to be completely healed at all because that's not the message I want to put out, but you want to be in a place to where like, not letting my own perfectionism get in my way. I am just so thankful for you. And I want to plug again, your blog. Yes. JordanElise.com. J-O-R-D-A-N and Elise is E-L-I-S-E.com. I have like little notifications that go out. And then as um, like circles pop up, you'll get notifications for those too. So you'll be able to find Cool. Amazing. And there's also, if you do check her blog out, there is a ton, there are a ton of resources on there as well. Uh Each blog post, there's going to be, I know that you have, um, little worksheets to do. Yeah. So some worksheets, there's some affirmations to do. If you're looking for like therapy, I have some links about Mm -hmm. a specific blog about like mental health resources you can access if you're looking for. And then you can always reach out, email me and be like, Jordan, I have no idea where this is. Yeah, (laughs) I can tell you so. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for inviting me. Of course, this was wonderful. You are wonderful. And I hope that everyone listening got some good nuggets out of this. And I know that I did. My gosh, this was wonderful. Thank you so much again for being a part of the Divine Misfits podcast. Follow us on Instagram at the Divine Misfits for updates on the podcast and to keep in touch. If you're interested in sharing your story with us, check out the link in our bio. Can't wait to hear from you.